podcast hello the first time listeners and welcome back to those who may have joined the previous episodes i thank you so much for tuning in it's greatly appreciated Um, for those who may be tuning in for the first time live truth exists to encourage and equip women to know god to love god and to live truth and i've been leaving this last part out and to live it boldly in our ever so changing compromising culture that we have and so This is part two of our three-part series on truth. Um, How do we know the Bible is trustworthy? So we'll discuss how the Bible came to us and how we can trust the Bible and what it says to be true. This is such an exciting topic, y'all, because God continues to reveal how trustworthy his word truly is. And so we'll first start with the origin of the Bible and how it came to us. First, it began as thoughts in God's mind. By revelation, it came to human authors' minds through inspiration. They wrote original manuscripts of the Bible. And then we have canonicity, which is the church collection of the 66 books. And then we have textual criticism, which produced the modern Greek and Hebrew Bible, then translated into modern English versions, which are then through illumination and interpretation are God's thoughts in our minds, which lead to application that should lead to change in our lives. And then what we should do with that change is in turn communicate these truths to others, which should bring about change in their lives as well. And so what we'll first look at is what is the doctrine of revelation. And so by definition, the doctrine of revelation Um, which is the act of God by which he has made known what was otherwise unknowable. It is the truthful disclosure of God in his creation. Within this revelation, there are two types. One is the general revelation, which is stated in Romans 1, verse 18 through 32. I would encourage you to go read the whole thing because I'm only going to focus on verse 20, which is, for since the revelation of the world His invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Psalm 19, one states the heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. And so as we see in these two scriptures, God's word reveals to us, even an atheist is not really an atheist because God's word is clear that he has revealed himself to all men through creation and his power. And so then we have what's called special revelation in which God discloses himself in salvation history, preeminently in Christ, which is revelation in a person. And so John 14, 9 In John 14, 9, Jesus states, he who has seen me has seen the father. Then in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it tells us God having spoken long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and many ways in these last days spoke to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds, who is the radiance of his glory and the exact presentation of his nature. 
and upholds all things by the word of his power, who, having accomplished cleansing for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so these are two of many verses that display how Jesus um, reveals God to us. And we first have Jesus, who was also God, a living being, as to how God revealed himself. And now we'll look at the second, God revealing himself through scripture. And so that's 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. But to us, God revealed them through the spirit, for the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, for whom among men knows the depths of man, except the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the depths of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the depths graciously given to us by God, of which depths we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual depths with spiritual words. And then we have first Peter one, nineteen through twenty. And we have so and I'm sorry, and we have as more so sure the prophetic word to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by one's own interpretation. For no prophecy has ever was ever made by the will of man. But men being moved by the spirit spoke from God. And so now we see how God reveals himself to us in person and in what has been written. Now let's look at how what's been written came to be. And so this has happened by what's called inspiration, which is the act of God by which he guided the human authors of the 66 books of the Bible so that using their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error, none. This is his revelation to man in the words of the original. And so the four scriptures that speak to this inspiration is Jesus's view, which is Matthew 5, 17 through 18. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, to but, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. In John 10, 35, he called them gods to whom the word of God came. The word, I'm sorry, of God came. And the scripture cannot be broken. Then Paul's view, which is 2 Timothy 3, Timothy 3, 15 through 17, and that from childhood, you have known the sacred things which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so lastly, we have Peter's view, which we already know, um, or which we already stated previously. We'll do some scriptures that come prior to um, the scriptures that we just um, read, which is 2 Peter 1, 16 through 20, 21. For we did not make known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ following cleverly devised myths, but being eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is 
my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have as more sure the prophetic word, which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but being moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That was worth repeating. And so you may be asking a question, well, you just gave me a bunch of scriptures to try to prove your point. And that's the whole, that's what we're trying to prove, right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to get into um, first looking at some terms to also let us know that God's word is true, which is the first term is inerrant. That is I-N-E-R-R-A-N-T. Inerrant means that it's totally without error. Infallible, I-N-F-A-L-L-I-B-L-E, which means it's incapable of error. So God's word is infallible. God is infallible. Jesus is infallible. Holy Spirit is infallible. We are fallible. This podcast right now is fallible because it is capable of error. I hope that it doesn't have an error, but I'm pretty sure at some point there will be one. And if there is, y'all, if you 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 hear one, please let me know. <laughs> Reach out to me and let me know so I can grow and learn, okay? Don't listen to me uh be in error and not let me know. So Again, God is infallible, incapable of error, and we are fallible men. All of our work is fallible. Everything we do is fallible, but praise God that we are perfect through Christ Jesus. So we'll have some bumps and bruises along the way, but by God's grace, um, we are again clothed in Christ's righteousness. So we repent, ask for forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, and move on. All right authoritative. So authoritative means right to command belief and behavior. And so we should allow God's word to govern every area of our lives and our worldview because it is authoritative. It, it, it should govern everything. And so, and then inspiration, of course, we read that it means God breathed. God breathed his word through Holy Spirit, through inspiration and used men to write his word. And so hopefully those terms have um, helped us to see the validity of scripture and we'll now discuss in the way in which God's word was written. And so I want to cite, and I think this came out of the biblical school of evangelism and it says, and quote, it was written over a period of 1500 years by more than 40 writers from all walks of life. Some were fishermen, some were politicians, others were generals or kings, shepherds, or historians. They were from three different continents and wrote in three different languages. They wrote in dungeons, in temples, on beaches, and on hillsides during peacetime and war. Yet their words sound like they came from the same source. So even though 10 people couldn't write on one controversial subject and agree, God picked 40 people to write the Bible and it stands the test of time. So to sum that up, God chose 40 men, y'all, over a wide, wide range of time in different places through inspiration. They were able to cohesively narrate the Bible, which will never happen again, okay, unless God allows it. That's just, it's just so amazing. And so um, we have manuscript evidence from the early centuries. We have some 5,300 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, all together, including Syriac, Latin, Coptic, and Aramaic, 
we have a whopping 24,633 texts of the ancient New Testament to confirm the wording of the scriptures. Then there's also the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran in 1949. These are ancient texts found hidden in pots in clifftop caves by a monastic religious community confirmed the real reliability of the Old Testament text. And then according to NBC News, just this March, a new set of Dead Sea Scrolls, ancient fragments of biblical texts dating back almost 2,000 years and thought to have been hidden during a Jewish revolt against Rome have been discovered in an Israelite desert. And the Israel Antiquities Authority announced that a four-year archaeological project uncovered portions of the book of the 12 minor prophets, including the books of Zechariah and Nahum. It was the first discovery in 60 years, y'all. So a new discovery again was just made in just this March, 2021. That's amazing. Like I said, God continues to reveal um, that his word is true. And so we have many, 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 many prophecies of God's word that have come to pass. And I'll just name a few in the scripture references. We have Jesus, who was born of a virgin. Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 7, 14. A New Testament fulfillment in Matthew 1, 22 through 23. And Luke 1, 26 through 31. We have Jesus, would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, we have Isaiah 7, 14. Old Testament prophecy, Matthew 1, 21. I'm sorry, Matthew 1, 23. New Testament fulfillment. Jesus would be betrayed. Um, Old Testament prophecy, Zechariah 11, 12 through 13. New Testament fulfillment, Luke 22, 47 through 48. And Matthew 26, 14 through 16. He would be a sacrifice for sin. Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 53. Um, verse 1 through 12, New Testament fulfillment, Romans 5, 6 through 8. Jesus would be crucified with criminals. Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 53, 12. Um, New Testament fulfillment, Matthew 27, 38. Mark 15, 27, 28. Jesus would resurrect from the dead, um, will be found in Isaiah, Old Testament prophecy and New Testament fulfillment. Isaiah 53, I'm sorry. And then the New Testament fulfillment is found in Matthew 28, 2 through 7 and Acts 2, 22 through 23. And so those are just a few of prophecies that have been fulfilled because God is always, again, proving himself to be true. Even science is constantly having to come in alignment with God's with, with, with what God's word um, has to say. And there have, again, been many archaeological findings besides the Dead Sea Scrolls that I mentioned earlier. And I will also include in the show notes where I receive the information from and highly recommend you guys um maybe purchase some of these books and and read them because it's just, they're just amazing and they will help you bring more clarity and um, more fruition to God's word being exactly what it says it is. And also just encouraging you in your faith and hopefully help us to walk all the more in obedience to the Lord. And of course, this is such a rich and in-depth topic. I didn't even scratch the surface or we would be here forever and ever and ever. (laughs) So that's why, like I said, I encourage you to continue your study, continue your research in this topic. And um, like I said, I put the information in the show notes. And I want to close by quoting out of the introduction of 
the Gideon International Bibles. And if you're not familiar with Gideon International, they are responsible for the Bibles, well, most of the Bibles that you see in hotels. Their ministry focus is getting God's word distributed across the globe. And so, in quote, it says, this book contains the mind of God, state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand object, our good is its design, and the glory of God is end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mind of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward faithful labor, and condemn all who trifle its sacred content, close quote. So I hope y'all have been encouraged in this episode and in the truth of God's word. And again, just encouraged to just have more faith in the Lord and help us to walk in obedience in him. In our next kick episode, we'll be unpacking um, Matthew 7, 1. So in this episode, we'll take a look at the scripture as a, or scriptures as a whole in God's word to see if God is commanding us as believers to not judge. If you have not made a decision to allow Jesus to be Lord over your life, and placed by placing your faith in him and repenting and turning away from your old way of life. Um, in order to do that, you must first realize that Christ had to come and die a brutal death on the cross for your sins because you have, we have all sinned against the holy God. Um, he was born um, by a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And like I said, he died a brutal death on the cross Um was scorned by the ones he came to save. He died and rose three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he is ascending and coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And we must be born again to um, inherit the kingdom of God. So if you have not repented and turned away from your old way of living and placed your faith in Christ, that doesn't mean I surrendered once and I continued to live how I wanted to live. That means I surrendered and I placed my faith in Christ and by his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, I have new desires and new affections and I want to live for Christ. That means that, you know, my life looks like I love Christ. I love others. I have a desire to read my word. I have a desire for holiness. I have a desire to see souls saved. Um, and again, it's not by our works. You know, we're saved by grace through faith alone. But there should be some type of indication that transformation is or has taken place um, in our lives. So if you have chosen to make that decision today, please feel free to reach out to me so that I can rejoice with you and walk alongside you um, in your new journey in Christ. And possibly introduce you to some more sisters in the Lord. 
Um, also, I pray this episode has blessed you all. If it has, like I always say, please share it on social media with your friends and family and also write um, a review on Apple Podcasts and rate it for me. And so, ladies, if you like for me to flesh this out a little more or would like to discuss it further, please join the Facebook group called Sisters Living in Truth. I also covet your feedback, so please reach out to me. My contact information will be in the show notes. Also, please let me know if there are any particular topics you would like for me to delve into, and by God's grace, we'll do just that. So, all right, y'all, grace and peace. Until next time, I love y'all so so much and again thank you thank you thank you so much for your support talk soon